0: Welcome to Charting the Course, the official podcast of the Hilton Group at UBS. I'm your host, Betty Galligan. Let me tell you a little bit about the Hilton Group. Established in Newport, Rhode Island by Jamie Hilton in 1991, the Hilton Group Wealth Management at UBS Financial Services is focused on serving a select number of ultra high net worth clients who see Jamie and his team as personal CFOs providing customized and tailored wealth management strategies. With me today is Kara Museler. She's the Senior Vice President, Wealth Management at UBS. Welcome, Kara. Thank you, Betty, for having me. So good to see you and to be here. Now, let's talk a little bit about the kind of clients that you work with in wealth management at the Hilton Group. Tell us a little bit more about that.
1: We like to say we help clients make smart decisions with their money. In most cases, they are already wealthy, and these clients may be business owners, couples nearing or in retirement, professionals, and of course, widows and divorcees.
0: Are they all from Rhode Island or greater Rhode Island area?
1: For the most part, we are able to service clientele
0: all across the United States. Mm. Every single state? Not all the time. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I mean, like, are you licensed to work in every state if we you had can to? Be, yes, okay. correct. Mm, that's very interesting. So you could just be dealing with people at different time zones and geographic locations. Doesn't really matter.
1: Well, I will say the one thing COVID did was it allowed everybody to reach anyone most any time in any methodology Skype Zoom phone so it's um, geography was very quickly uh, not a hindrance
0: that's a great point I know a lot of industries had that happen and I think it sort of just leveled that playing field where you can have a lot of access so now you can have access to your wealth management team right right to the Hilton group now, one thing I was thinking about was a lot of the financial advisory industry is male. It's, it's t- traditionally male. So it's, as an industry sector, I would say that's, is that a fair assessment?
1: It's a very male-dominated industry. Uh, I would say 75 to 85% of financial advisors are male. But what I looked up before this podcast was about 25% of certified financial planners are women. So women as a whole remain largely underserved by the wealth management community, in my opinion.
0: Wow. So 25% of the CFPs are female. Correct. Why is that, do you think?
1: I think that females... I I know for myself
0: have had to prove themselves and their knowledge and their ability. Like in most industry sectors, I would say. (laughs) Correct. Right. So I'm, I'm wondering if it's always been that way or is this like a new thing? Do you see it changing over the years that you've been working in this field? It's been this way for at least the three
1: decades that I've been in this business. I believe most Companies now recognize the significant market opportunity that women
0: are representing. That's a great point. Do do women come to you for financial advisory because you are a woman also?
1: Good question, Betty. Some women, in my opinion, prefer to work with women. It's just the nature of the, the business. But this is not the case every time. Uh, what I've seen is... In many instances, husbands have traditionally made the majority of a household's investment decisions, and 20%, I discovered 20% of couples participate equally in financial decisions, and in most cases, probably 7 out of 10 males take the lead.
0: So if 20% of couples make the decision together, so that means 80% of them don't. Correct. So in that case, would that be the male that would take more of the dominating, you know, lead or would it be a a woman could possibly take that lead?
1: We're starting to see the shift, I would say. Uh, Women, um, women live longer. True. Mm hmm.
0: When you first start working with a female client, what are the first steps that you would recommend? Well, Betty, it starts with
1: actually listening to them. And in some cases, for example, a widow or a divorcee or just a single woman, we would take them through the discovery process that we do for any potential client. Never assume a woman wants direction. Never assume all women are risk adverse and definitely don't assume women are less knowledgeable than men about investments and lastly don't misinterpret a woman's silence and nodding as agreement I have definitely found all of those to be the case
0: so maybe but the first thing that you mentioned about listening I know that's tends to be a skill that women are good at So maybe that might be one of the first things that people respect really in working with you, right? Because the whole first step is to actually listen to them.
1: Women want to know that they are being heard. Mm -hmm.
0: What kind of questions do you ask so that you can really pull this out of them? Or do you have to ask the questions or do they just start telling you about everything?
1: Some instances they may tell us, but in our discovery meeting, we're asking a lot of questions. So hopefully we need to figure out in that time period what makes them tick.
0: And over time, do you feel like this really helps to build a relationship with them?
1: What I've found, honestly, is if a woman does not trust you, she does not want to do business with you.
0: I think that's true across the board with anyone, right? Mm -hmm. But I do think... That in your field, you're asking like probing questions about their finances, right?
1: Well, we're asking questions about not just finances. We have to figure out what makes them tick, what's important to them. And that might not be a dollar denominated figure.
0: That's one of the things I really like about the Hilton group because it's all about your life goals and what you want to accomplish. It's your lifestyle and your livelihood all mixed together, right? Right.
1: It's not one size fits all.
0: How do you determine that? Is that in part of that discovery? Right. It's through their
1: personal strategic plan.
0: Oh, I like that. Is it true that women control the financial decisions in their households, even though maybe they're working as a couple, but is it true that they actually are the ones behind the control? Well, there's a stereotype
1: that husbands have traditionally made the majority of investment decisions. As I said before, women usually outlive men and many couples are choosing not to marry in this day and age. And this is, um, we also find that they're keeping their money and investments separate. So there've been, um, more and more instances where I'll have a a prospect and she may do all of her planning completely separate from her husband because all of their investments are separate. Mm -hmm. Or she may keep it from her partner.
0: Okay. So when this maybe control happens over their decision to keep it the way they want to keep it, does that happen when, do you see that when they're first married? Or is this something that happens when they become a widow because all of a sudden there's like a life change?
1: I honestly see it happening earlier and earlier. Women are choosing a career over staying at home. It takes all kinds. Mm.
0: We often hear stories about Older females that have never handled money or their finances and they're forced to make these decisions once their spouse dies. Is that the case that you're seeing with your clients?
1: We like to tell our clients if they plan to retire together, they should plan together. And in, in many cases, this is an anomaly. Most, if not all, couples have been involved in the planning that our clients of the Hilton group. At one spouse's passing, the remaining spouse may have to take a more active role than they did before, but we help them through that too.
0: Right. It must be scary for someone who is going through that. So I'm sure they appreciate you being with them.
1: It's a very frightening and probably unnerving circumstance that they have to go through. And everyone's situation is so very different.
0: And it's good that you are telling them to do it in their planning time when they're not faced with that crisis right at the moment. And they're not in the emotional state of mind to be thinking about their finances. That might be the last thing on their mind, really. It's very emotional. Very. Tell us a a story about a female client that you work with without using any names. But tell us a little bit about some of maybe tell us a story about one of the female clients that you work with.
1: We had a typical couple where the man made most, if not all, of the financial decisions for the household. The wife was only peripherally involved. Um, The husband had been in the um, Navy, I believe. So she was used to handling the home and the children, uh, but not the finances. The husband became quite ill and very suddenly passed away. And before he passed, he continued to tell the wife that we, the Hilton group, would help her and she needed to lean on us. Well, the time came pretty quickly. And as he passed away, her anxiety grew exponentially because she was taking on a role she had never had to before. So we helped her buy a condo. We... Pay the mortgage we helped her figure out her bills and a monthly allowance that we provide for her we deal with her accountant and her attorney and have guided her every step of the way in what has had to happen we're probably four to five years uh, after his passing and every now and then she will comment or make a remark on how far she's come And she's very proud of all that she's accomplished on her own, as she should be.
0: That's a great story. Did you say that she had kids? There's,
1: yes, grown adult children.
0: Grown adult children. So were they part of the plan in any way, or was it just you working with her?
1: They are also clients and have called very concerned on behalf of mom. And based on client confidentiality, there's not a lot I can say, except that we're handling it.
0: Very nice. So the Hilton Group really serves in in a capacity that's true advisory, but also uh, being there at a time when they really need you.
1: We like to say, and I think you've heard us say it before, Betty, we'll go a mile deep on behalf of a client. And it's...
0: It's a very
1: rewarding and enriching experience.
0: It sounds like it, I mean, for sure. But you, we were talking also at one point about how you don't have a lot of clients because you want to be able to go that deep with some clients.
1: Right. So your average investment advisor, they might go a mile wide and have a million clients and go an inch deep. We're about an inch wide, have fewer clients, and we'll go a mile deep on behalf of the client.
0: I like that strategy. <laughs> and it seems to be working for sure with, for your clients. That's great. There is a statistic that says widows choose to fire 7 out of 10 male advisors following the passing of their boomer husbands. What do you think about that? And why do you think that happens?
1: What I've seen, myself probably included, is women are more likely than men to encounter gender stereotypes. Women may feel undervalued in that financial relationship. And over time, by focusing attention on the husband, in this instance, or life partner, a male advisor may ignite a process of low-grade systematic alienation of the spouse. And it's only natural that a widow would want to make a change, wouldn't you?
0: Absolutely. I mean, it seems like this low-grade alienation over systematic times or whatever that was is something that is almost um, inherent in the way that men interact with women. And if they're alienating her over time, um, it might not might not be like as overt right away, but maybe this is just like an accumulation of he's not listening to me. He's not paying attention. Why did he just bring that up again? Or why does he keep saying this? Or I feel like I wasn't heard as you had said earlier. So maybe it's an accumulation of things. Like I said, not very overt, not noticeable right at, right at front. But over time, I mean, I actually noticed this with my mother-in-law and she did fire her financial advisor right after my, my father-in-law passed away And, um, because he wouldn't visit her, he wouldn't come to her. He was saying, you must come to me. And her other guy would always go to her and be at her home. And that's just one instance of maybe just bad business, I suppose. But there's one, there's a widow that just fired her F.A.
1: But there are, this isn't the case, uh, for everybody. Okay. Uh, I think we at the Hilton Group work very hard to make sure that does not happen. But there are some warning signs that might be sort of written on the wall, proverbial wall. Many cases assume, or in many instances, people assume that the man is the decision maker. Right. Um, They assume a woman wants direction. That's not always the case. Um, They assume that couples finances may have been uh, merged and jointly invested. And I'll tell you for a fact, I'm actually seeing quite the opposite of that. Mm -hmm. Um, They might assume women are risk averse. They might assume women are less knowledgeable uh, than men. And there's quite a lot of women running businesses, large businesses and becoming entrepreneurs and last Lee, the big mistake I do see is misinterpreting
0: a woman's silence as an agreement. That's a big one. That's mm-hmm. a big one there. And the woman may be just thinking about what was just being said or, you know, trying to absorb it and not necessarily, you know, agreeing to something. So we're going to go, we're going to definitely recap those at the end because I think those points that you made are so good. One of the things that I was just thinking of was sometimes when I'm meeting with my financial advisor, I don't know what they're talking about, so I don't mind asking. I noticed that my husband does not ask while the person's there, a male. And we would talk about it after, and then he said, I I have no idea what, like pretend it was dollar cost averaging or some sort of a blurby phrase that a financial advisor would use, jargon as we would say and he's not fully up to knowledge and speed as to what that is but is too afraid to sound like he doesn't know what that right. is.
1: And it's a, there's jargon in every business. We always ask you, what does something mean if we don't understand yes.
0: the world of PR? True, and it's great, and I, uh, an educated client is the best client, Correct. Right? a consumer. So I think that makes a lot of sense. What are females looking for in their investments? Like we say that they're less risk averse. Is that really something that they're looking for? Is that in your experience with them or are we just generalizing and making an assumption?
1: In doing a little research before our podcast, what I discovered and what I would agree with is women view achieving their personal goals much more importantly than investment performance. Most women seek security over prosperity, as a male counterpart may, and men may place a stronger focus on historical performance where women do not.
0: Wow, that's really interesting. I mean, I would think about, um, I always try to think about it like you're talking about me as a female, but um, I think you're right because it's more about not what the stocks did yesterday or what my investments are doing next month but it's more about when can I retire or can we retire comfortably and have that security to know we can play golf every day. (laughs) Right, and that's where the plan comes into play. Yes, that makes a lot of sense. Well, with almost 12,000 Americans turning age 65 every day and the initial baby boomers now around 76 years of age, retirement income planning needs are great. So what advice would you give to male financial advisors out there to build their own female client base or to you know work better with female clients.
1: I think it's a great opportunity. Uh, as I said before, women tend to outlive men. And when it comes to money, women and men see the world quite differently, in my opinion. Women want to be listened to and have their objectives understood and their investment strategy aligned with their values, their goals, and their priorities. Women care most about having an authentic relationship with the people they trust to help them, their circle of advisors, we like to say. And I think the future is bright if male advisors, in most cases, are willing to move past the great mismatch Women still remain largely underserved in the wealth management community, in my opinion.
0: Hmm. So values, goals, and what was the other one? Priorities. And priorities. So I think that's fabulous advice. This is the kind of information that needs to come out in that discovery phase. and then, But keeping that in mind, not just for the discovery phase, I'm sure over time working with them, being the trusted advisor, and helping them through all the phases of their life. I would agree 100%, Betty. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Now, before we end, I would like to just go back and recap those points that you made earlier. I thought that that was something really important for people to hear and for talking about and illustrating how the Hilton group works to make sure these things don't happen.
1: (laughs) Thank you, Betty. Uh, Never assume a man is a decision maker in a relationship. Never assume that a woman is just looking for direction. Also, I found most recently that assuming that a couple has merged and jointly invested their money is very misleading. That is not the case and most money is new money is being held separately. Never assume that all women are risk averse and never assume that women are less knowledgeable than men about investing but lastly misinterpreting a woman's silence and possible nodding as an agreement
0: that's great thank you thank you kara museler senior vice president of wealth management at ubs the hilton group thank you betty this concludes this chapter in the hilton group's charting the course podcast stay tuned for more topics and episodes and be sure to visit advisors Dot UBS.com dot slash the Hilton Group for more information.